0: Hello, I'm John Kane, and I welcome you to Let's Talk Native on this Saturday, July 18th, 2020. While this program may not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do encourage it in some cases to start conversations. We're shooting for a different kind of enlightenment here, and we kind of break the rules for native radio. We don't do prayers, we don't do buffalo speeches, and we don't do spirituality shows. We will take a tough look at history, oppression, and survival, uh, we'll, we'll talk about cult, uh, culture, the arts, politics, and identity, and we may step on a few toes along the way, but our real goal here is to bring people together by breaking down what separates us. We will take on the false narratives and provide critical thinking to all the teeth upon us, and we do it all right here live from the Cattaraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. Uh, I want to welcome you to, to watching the video. If you're watching us, you're watching us on Facebook or you're watching us on YouTube, and I appreciate your attention. And if you're listening to us, you are you may be listening to us on our podcast. And I do encourage you to sign up for our podcast, and you can do it from any of your favorite podcast platforms. I also encourage people to subscribe to our YouTube channel, so you'll catch not only videos of the show, but um, the short form videos that we do from time to time, where we take on a number of topics. Um, And we've taken on the topic that we're going to talk about today. And uh, look, this is what i'm hearing and and i had um I, I saw it posted on facebook i had a few people send me messages uh, mess messages i should say um uh about a special council being called for the seneca nation on monday where it is anticipated they will get council approval to send to new york state somewhere in the neighborhood of a half a billion dollars 500 million dollars in um what the state is calling revenue sharing which uh and by anybody else's definition is extortion and and i've got to do the backstory i've got to explain what revenue sharing really is and um versus what it is alleged to be so i gotta i gotta you know plow some old earth as they say and for those of you who heard the story about what the seneca's and others by the way um not only other native gaming enterprises in new york state but oklahoma uh in new mexico native people in other states have been facing uh this same battle so let me let me explain when igra was passed it was uh it was passed um supposedly to protect native gaming interests from being taken advantage of by organized crime and aggressive states i mean that was the claim that that igra was supposed to it was supposed to provide a federal framework for gaming to occur that would um almost put states um well not only would it empower states for for from a regulatory standpoint but it would put states in a almost in a co-regulator position with uh with the native entities that want to do gaming now the only reason Igra was even pushed through Congress was because the year before, uh, in California, a court case had gone all the way up to the to the Supreme Court, and it was called Cabazon. It was about the uh, a Cabazon, the Cabazon territory, um, that was operating a high stakes bingo operation, and the state of California was uh, was fighting them over it. And so this goes all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court rules. In favor of the Cavazans kind of what they basically said was that if states have gaming, they can 't tell native people they can 't do gaming, so in states where there 's gaming, native people have the right to do their, to do gaming and, and regulate it themselves. Well, that sent shockwaves through throughout Congress. Um, they claimed to be fearful that there would be an inundation of uh, class three gaming f- facilities, even though this, argue, this this battle was over bingo it clearly opened um it 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 set the record straight on what powers the states had over what we do on our territories especially as it relates to gaming so the fear was that every native territory would open up a casino and they'd get backed by the mob they'd get backed by you know uh, unsavory characters or they would end up in um a major conflict with states so igra the indian gaming regulatory act was passed now IGRA made it very clear that states had no power to tax gaming. It, under the terms of IGRA, the states it was illegal for states to try to impose a fee for the right to do gaming. Now they could um, try to share in some regulatory costs. If, if states had to build up some sort of office or regulatory department, they could they could essentially uh, work out a payment with the uh, uh, with whoever they're regulating to to help defray those costs even that seems a little shady but uh, but there but clearly states could not profit from native gaming as a uh, as a source of imposed uh, revenue however there the interior department which um, is the agency that enforces IGRA they While they weighed in heavily on this idea of states taxing native territories, they did say revenue-sharing agreements could be made. But in order for a revenue-sharing agreement to be made, the states had to offer a concession that had value, and and significant value. In fact, it had to offer something of substantial value and of a quantifiable value. So something that was worth... (laughs) More than what the, the revenue sharing would con- would would constitute, because otherwise, what would be the interest? If it was only a wash for native gaming, then why why would you do it? You know, why why tie up more overhead revenue to get something that doesn't give you um, a real advantage? So, so in order for revenue sharing to pass the test that the Interior Department and Igra had for for whether a state was trying to tax a native gaming enterprise or whether they were honestly and legitimately entered entering into a revenue sharing agreement where the state offered a concession that had that was both substantial and quantifiable and, and and that you could again by quantifiable it means that you could you could determine the value of what the state gave up and they would actually have to give it up so i I'll explain why I'm saying it this way um, in order to 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 for it for them to legally under the terms of Igra receive payment from a gaming enterprise so so the state and new York or state of New York and the senegacas do negotiate a compact which is required under Igra now i'm going to be I say this again it's required under Igra the problem that that i think Uh, That people don't understand is Iger didn't legalize native gaming it created a framework for uh, for um native gaming to exist with the cover of federal law with a cover of a federal statute and so it it opened up it answered the question for like vendors well if I'm doing business with with a native native gaming enterprise is it a legal enterprise well it answered that question now but Cabazon also answered a bit of that question. It didn't empower native people to do gaming, but it but the, but the Supreme Court recognized that we had the right to do it. Igra, knowing that we had the right to do gaming, tried to tried to create a framework that would empower states to have a regulatory role in, in our gaming. But again, so a part of what IGRA asks asks for is a gaming compact with between Whatever native gaming interest there is, and and the states that they that surround them. So, Seneca Nation enters into a compact with uh, uh, with the state of New York, and they do include a uh, revenue sharing provision. But here's the problem: you got to keep in mind that New York State could not do class three gaming when when this was negotiated. The New York State could not do um, they couldn't do class three gaming. It was illegal. It, it was prohibited by New York State Constitution that they couldn't do casino gaming. Now they could do charity gaming and and stuff like that. And and of course, the fact that the state already had gaming like lotteries and stuff like that, um, kind of uh, answered the first test that uh, that was established during Cabazon that if the states do gaming, the native people could do gaming. So, but the states couldn't build casinos. Not when the, the Senecas negotiated this compact. So when the state says, well, we're going to give you an ex- exclusivity zone, we're going to give you exclusivity in an area that's a 15-county area that runs from, fr- from the other side of Rochester right to the, to the western end of, uh, of New York. Not for the whole state, but, um, but again. So what the state says is, we will not license anybody to do gaming in New York State to com- compete with you. Well, the problem is, you couldn't do it anyway. There was no... The state couldn't license anybody to do gaming. It was illegal for the state to to have casino gaming. And and so that's... They didn't give anything up. What they... I guess you could say they promised they wouldn't pursue it. (laughs) Although, turns out, they did pursue it. (laughs) So, what did the state actually give up? Well, they didn't even give up Class 2 gaming. Because what the state included in that compact were provisions that would allow them to do electronic gaming that was like um, what they call VLTs, video lottery terminals. So a short time into uh, the, the Seneca's establishing gaming, the states began to expand their gaming in the exclusivity zone. Three places right uh, right within the, the, that those 15 counties, which include Hamburg Fairgrounds or or, or yeah, Raceway or Hamburg Fairgrounds anyway, uh, Batavia Raceway and uh, and Finger Lakes Raceway. And these are all horse tracks because New York State had had found a way to manipulate their laws and said, well, we have if we have an established gaming footprint in a horse track. And that's what Hamburg Raceway or Fairgrounds were. It's it's an existing horse track where they do uh, parimutuel betting on, on horse races. So they they massaged their laws and said if we already have an existing gaming venue in a horse track, we can put slot machines in it. I mean not class three slot machines, but class two slot machines, machines that look and play like slot machines, but they're banked a little different and they're connected a little different. The, the way the house pays is is a little different. Um, and they filled and they filled up three racetracks full of these things. And and they and they are gaming enterprises they were they actually they called they weren't calling them casinos it was the Hamburg casino right within the exclusivity zone so whenever the seneca's had negotiated and i'll explain what they negotiated in their gaming compact what they negotiated were terms for sharing revenue and what it was was they said in the first and, and i gotta get. i may get the the years a little mixed up in, in the first part of the 14-year um uh term of the uh, of, of the compact that they entered into the the first uh, uh, portion they would pay 18% and it was like the first couple of years 18% of the net slot drop uh, of the slot machines now let's net slot drop means the money put into a slot machine minus the payout the state would get uh, 18% of that from uh, uh, from the day they opened the doors now keep in mind all of the costs of operating that slot machine, of creating the footprint for it, you know, the electricity, the, the lease, the, uh, the licenses, all of that stuff was coming out of the Seneca's cut. This, the, nothing came out of No other costs associated with that slot machine other than the payout was taken out before the state gets its cut, 18%. Then after a few more years, it turns to 22%. And then the last seven years of the gaming compact, it was 25%. And the compact lays it out specifically. You're, you know, one through, you know, one through whatever, one through five, one through seven, you know, and, and then, uh, you know, or six or 14, whatever the years were. But it makes no mention, there's no mention of compact about any revenue sharing payments past 14 years. It doesn't say after 14 years, uh, if this is renewed, it'll continue at, uh, at, at 25%. Not, no, nothing like that is even said. It, it has a sunset what you would define as a sunset clause, which only talks about revenue sharing happening for for 14 years. So when the compact gets renewed after its initial 14 year term, the Senecas, well, let me back up. When the when the when the states first began breaching the um, uh, this 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 compact by essentially competing directly against them with their with their slot parlors in these racetracks. There's something else that goes on there. Yes, it's a breach, and Seneca's withheld payment, and they withheld up to, I think it was $600,000. I mean, uh, over half a billion dollars. uh, No, I'm sorry, $600 million. Let me get that straight. So uh, over half a billion dollars they withheld. Uh, and of course, there was a lot of crying foul over it, uh, and it never went to arbitration. In the end, the the governor asked the, the, the Senecas to name a price, and the Senecas said, Well, we, we want to keep 200000 of that, and we'll pay you the 400000 And the state agreed. I think that was a big mistake when they did it, and this is back in 2013, I think, is when they solved this. They resolved this conflict. But they never addressed a couple of things. Now, among the things is, Clearly, once the state had established these slot parlors, even though part of the negotiation uh, to, to settle this, that dispute said they could no longer call these ones casinos. The other ones in the rest of the state, they called casinos. But these ones would no longer be called casinos. And they would, not, they would no longer advertise their electronic gaming machines as slot machines. That's all the state gave up. They didn't lose any percentage. And here's the thing. If you go back to the, to the Interior Department and, and Iger's definition of meeting that test for, uh, to avoid being, it being a tax, what the state has to offer has to have value. Now, I would argue, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to, to make this argument, that once the state started competing against the Seneca Nation, the value of that exclusivity became marginalized. If it, if it had any value at all. Now keep in mind, the state still couldn't do slot machines, still couldn't do full-fledged Class 3 gaming. So that they couldn't do, not because of, because of their exclusivity, because their law wouldn't allow them. To the extent the state could compete against Seneca's even within this exclusivity zone, they did. I mean, they, they absolutely did. So the question right off the, off the get-go has to be, well, what value could this exclusivity actually have? They didn't give up Class three gaming, they, they couldn't do it anyway. And to the extent that they could do, compete against us with, with something that was very similar to what we're doing, they did do it. So I would argue the exclusivity had no value. But certainly because one of the requirements is that it be quantifiable... There's no reason that an industry expert couldn't have come in and said, no, the Seneca's aren't really getting any value here. If if there is, it's been reduced down to something that is not nearly as advantageous as it was when the state ha- had no competition against the Seneca Nation's gaming enterprises except for perhaps, you know, lotteries. And now they had gaming parlors that they literally called casinos until they couldn't, but they didn't change anything other than the, the names on them. So... And again, the the Senecas made an agreement and settled that. But again, the terms of the compact said that that exclusivity zone or uh, uh, revenue sharing based on exclusivity only had um, terms listed for payments through 14 years. So at the end of that 14 years, the Senecas stopped paying. But the system was still so rigged against the Senecas that even when they went into arbitration, the two non-native people who are there were three judges on that panel. Uh, one guy who who has native gaming experience, um, and who is it uh, was Chickasaw. He was on that one of the arbiters, and the other two had no native gaming experience. They were just I don't know lawyers or judges or whatever else. Two two white guys and one native guy. Well, guess what? The two white guys said, "No, Senecas, you got to keep paying." because they again they suggested that it was implied that they pay the past 14 years and here's the thing in a contract there's no such thing as what's implied is it is either explicit or or it doesn't exist because a, a contract has to be explicit it has to be laid out in detail there's no such thing as saying well it's not written there, but we're going to bring it in and say that it's. This is called the four corners doctrine of contract law, that you can't suggest that if it's not written there, that it's implied somehow because of some other extenuating circumstances. Yet the two arbit- uh, two arbitrators said, "No, you got to pay." So that's where it was left. Now the Seneca's said they cried foul and they said, "No, th- we don't agree," and. The thing about this arbitration is supposed to be binding arbitration. But here's the way it works. The only way, the only thing that happens ha- past binding arbitration, th- there's two possibilities. One, the Seneca Nation could have, and, and indeed did, pursue that the Interior Department take a look at this. Because their argument was, now, and, and in fact, the third arbitrator, the Native arbitrator said, once these two arbitrators introduced this, this implicit you know, call for payments past 14 years. They essentially created a new compact. They they added language to an existing compact that talked about no payments past 14 years and said, now you have to pay as long as this comp this compact is renewed, you have to keep paying, even though it doesn't say it in the compact. So it's no longer an agreement, it's, and that's why it's not a revenue sharing agreement. It's a revenue sharing disagreement. So what the Seneca Nations the Seneca Nations position was. The the Interior Department has to reapprove this. Um, they they've got to reapprove this uh, this compact. So that's uh, what they were trying to pursue with with the uh, Interior Department, and the Interior Department wouldn't budge. The other angle on this thing is that the the Seneca Nation could force the state to sue them for the money. In federal court, and it would be federal court out in in western New York here. That's what's, in the terms of of their compact, the only recourse is for the winner of arbitration to pursue legal action to enforce the arbitration ruling. Now, that wouldn't be a bad thing for the Senate Nation because they could actually put the whole revenue sharing agreement on on trial. And they could actually force the Interior Department to make some determinations about the revenue sharing agreement because it would be in a court of law that's the reason for holding out hey look we're at the bottom of the hour so we're, we're gonna take a break and um when we come back i i, I want to finish this because look i'm hoping some senecas are getting pissed less to this and i'm hoping some senecas are gonna call their counselors call their executives and i i, I just hope that this isn't a done deal I, it concerns me that it might be But I just hope it's not a done deal. We'll talk about it when we come back. This is John Cain. This is Let's Talk Native. We'll be right back. Hi, right, thanks for coming back. This is John Kane, and this is Let's Talk Native. We are broadcasting live on Facebook Live, and of course, uh, you may be watching this on our YouTube video. Which, uh, again, I encourage people to subscribe to our channel. We're um, look, we've got over uh, eight hundred, I think eight hundred twenty subscribers. We'd like to kick that up to a, up to a thousand. So, um, you know, share what we're doing here with your you know with your friends. Look, I I don't want. Subscribers for the sake of having subscribers. I want people who want to watch this stuff and, and, and want to hear what's happening in uh, our territories and, and hear a Native perspective that they aren't going to hear any anybody, place hear anybody else. And, and again, I've got to say, I'm not saying that the views that I express are always going to be the widely held views. They aren't. I'm a bit of an outlier. I mean, I think when you look at where Native people are, are on issues, there are many of us that are on the same side, but if you look at that spectrum of us, of us that are on the same side, there's some of us over here, and then there's some of us over here. I'm on one side I'm, of that spectrum. I am still glad to have people on the other side of the spectrum fighting the same battle. It gets a little shaky sometimes, because sometimes you get far enough on the other side of that spectrum, and it, it oftentimes feels like they're on the other side. I don't think any Seneca counselor is uh, wants to pay the state. I don't think any of them want to. I think many Seneca counselors and 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 executives, even in the past, I think the last deal they made, where they gave up four hundred million dollars to the state, I think it was a, it was a mistake. But I, I'm going to explain why this is extortion and why it's not just oh we're just bound by the by, by the agreement because their agreement was bullshit and uh And this arbitration ruling is bullshit, too, but I want to explain a little bit because this isn't just a seneca issue there every native territory in Oklahoma is facing this with with their governor um, th- There are several native gaming enterprises in New Mexico that are facing this uh, in in New Mexico as well so this is a problem, and it is a problem that where states are in a, uh, a a disproportionate advantage over native people, and and I'll, and I'll explain why. But let me let me, I guess, kind of continue where I was. So, after the uh, this fourteen years is up, and the, and the Senecas fight this thing, and they get an arbitration ruling really against them, uh, their their options are somewhat limited. And when they asked the Interior Department to Evaluate this gaming compact um, now because it had been altered, they hedged and, and look and, yes, yes, this is the interior department under, under uh, uh, Donald Trump, but the last interior department wouldn't look at this this crap either. I mean so it, it's, I'm not blaming this on the Trump administration, uh, but obviously the Trump administration is in, uh, are no friends to native people. And and their interior department is not going to be. Uh, I don't care how many native people they hire down there in DC. They still are part of our problem. They are they are not our advocates. And I know the claim is that that's what the intent uh, intention of the interior department is. And but they're not. So when asked, the interior department says, "Well, you know, if you and the state had asked us to look at this compact, we'd look at it. But since it's only one party that's asking." I said, wait, 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 wait. There is a, there may very well be, and and it's and it's our opinion that there's a crime being committed here. They, they are violating the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act with their imposition or forced revenue sharing. I mean, and it's a tax, and and two white guys on arbitra- arbitration are, you know, part of you know the cohort uh, demanding this, so for the interior department to say well unless new york state asks us to look at it um we we would choose not to let me put this in a, in a way and i know some people are going to say it's not it, it never is right to use rape as a as an example but but consider this consider if a rape victim wanted their rape investigated the agency charged with investigating this type of thing said unless the the, your accuser wants me to investigate it i'm not going to investigate it because i'm going to tell you half a billion dollars coming from the seneca nation is a rape it is extortion and i'll explain that a little bit more too but new york state is a huge enterprise and they, they spend on Medicaid or Medicare or, or the both, they spend a billion dollars a week. So a half a billion dollars that the state says is owed to them, that doesn't cover a week of their Medicare expenses. So, but half a billion dollars to the Seneca Nation, especially now d- during this pandemic where their gaming enterprises and revenue has been, sh- been, been cut off. But even if it wasn't, it's a huge deal. To the Seneca's. Half a billion dollars to the state of New York sounds like a lot of money. But it's not a lot of money to the state of New York. It's a lot of money to, to, to Native people. And it's a lot of money to the Seneca's who are now facing their uh, their annuities being cut or maybe even ended. Programs being contracted. While they're preparing a check for a half a billion dollars or more by now, I don't know, to to the state of New York. So... So why would the state of New York, or why would the Seneca Nation be willing to pay? Other than the arbitration rule. What what is the risk? Well, I'll tell you what the risk is. And this risk goes back to to 2013, when they were uh, holding back payments and had held back $600 million. The reason Barry Snyder entered into the agreement with Andrew Cuomo, and why all 16 counselors agreed at that time, was they were afraid that if they didn't, the state would not renew the compact uh, in in 2016. Let me say it again. So they paid $400 million to the state of New York because they were afraid Andrew Cuomo would not renew the compact, um, extend the the compact for another, you know, uh, another, uh, through 2023. That's, So their fear was that they had to pay the money or the state would uh, walk away from the table on renewing the compact. And and of course, the real fear is that if the state did that, that somehow their gaming wouldn't be legal anymore. None of that is true. I mean, none of it's true. And there's actually been an instance, or at least one, where a state walked away from a compact and the feds didn't shut the gaming down. See, th- that's just it. The feds don't, or the, the state has no power to shut down native gaming. They don't. I mean, they could call upon the feds to try to do it, but if the state walks away from a compact simply because they're not being getting paid extortion payments, then that doesn't then they can't have the power to shut them down. But that's why they did it did it then in 2020 in 2013. And that's why there's some that are probably con, uh, considering, and maybe all. I don't know. Look, I've got friends who are on council. and I know they don't want to pay the state of New York, but I'm sure their legal advice advisors, their legal counsel, is telling, is filling their heads with all kinds of doomsday scenarios. You gotta pay. You gotta pay. You gotta pay. Well, here's the thing. a Couple of things. <laughs> For one thing, we don't know what's going to happen in November with the. Election of the non-native election, the, the federal elections or state elections or whatever else. We don't know what's going to happen in Washington. We don't know if, uh, and the assumption could be made that that Trump doesn't get re-elected, and then a new administration comes in, and that the Interior Department will be shaken up somewhat, which actually creates a perfect opportunity for native territories in in you know that are dealing with New York, native territories that are dealing with Oklahoma. Um, new mexico or anybody else who is being caught into this extortion racket that states are imposing w- with the states imposing this revenue sharing on them i mean some states are doing it worse than new york honestly in in, in many ways although <laughs> the standard that most states want is to get paid 25 percent of the net slot drop the way the uh the way the new york state the the number 25 that's the that's the golden goose that's what every other state wants in fact, California, when, this, when the the Senecas first negotiated their compact, I think when Ar- Arnold Schwarzenegger was the, was the governor, he wanted to use the Seneca nation's willingness to pay New York State as the model to force natives in, in California to pay. The Senecas lowered the bar in terms of what a state native compact looked like. I, I said it once before, I said the Senecas wanted gaming in the worst way, and they got it they got it in the worst way they gave way too much to the state in terms of not only just in revenue sharing look i think it's fine to create some pathway to let um our neighbors benefit from our our success and and, and i'm speaking generally i'm not seneca so i'm not you know, i'm not speaking for the seneca nation here by any means I think it, but I think it's fine for the Seneca Nation. To have said, look, we we want to help the region. We we want some of our success to spill over into Buffalo and Niagara Falls and you know Salamanca, Western New York in general. I think that's fine. It's it, it. And I agree with that. But to create a situation where the state is now empowered to force you to pay, and the state is giving you nothing in return, you don't have an exclusivity. In fact the state now is in the class 3 gaming business and in fact one of their larger casinos is basically even though it's located outside the exclusivity zone it's tapping into the same gaming market it's just on the other side of Rochester and that one's not very profitable so this idea of of squeezing money out of Seneca gaming is the the way to marginalize the profitability of the Seneca Nation so as I said there, there are a couple of recourses here one is the Seneca's could have refused to pay and forced the state to bring them into the Western District of New York federal court um, to sue them to, uh, to abide by the arbitration ruling. And if they had legal counsel that was worth a damn, which I'm not sure they do because they, they obviously botched the, uh, the arbitration hearings, they would use that opportunity to put revenue sharing on trial. I mean other other places have done it and and had some success. But put revenue sharing, especially New York's idea of revenue sharing, put that on trial and force the interior department to either defend the revenue sharing agreement because they are the agency. You could force the interior department. In fact, that's kind of what the interior department said. Look, if you ask us to come in and the state doesn't ah eh, we don't really we don't really but if if you force us to and they tried to do it. They, they actually tried to do that through court. But, but again, the <laughs> court said, no, we, we're not interested in re- retrying um, what, was, what was determined in the arbitration hearing. So that court attempt failed. It should have been a different cause of action. And certainly this cause of action that the state would have to initiate against the Seneca's where they are trying to force them to pay them, worst case scenario, you lose in federal court. But you drag this thing out at least past November. And all the while, you work with the, with the native uh, territories in, you know, that are fighting New Mexico and the native territories that are fighting uh, you know, um, Oklahoma. And you keep the pressure on the Interior Department to do what they... Look, they're the ones who established the test that said the concessions from the state have to be substantial and quantifiable. And by substantial, it's obvious. And, and, and not just implied. But the only reason to accept a concession from the state from a for a native gaming enterprise to accept a concession from the state and pay for it is that it's worth more than what you're paying for. And I, and I said that earlier. It just doesn't make sense. And to be clear, whatever... The exclusivity that New York State says they offered in 2002 or, or whenever this thing started has a different value today, both because of the Class 2 gaming that they expanded at these racetracks and because now the state is involved in, uh, in Class 3 gaming. And of course, here is the other thing. what <laughs> The state offering exclusivity is a bullshit offer anyway. And let, let me be clear here, <laughs> and there's no other way to say this, but the state cannot build a casino in Niagara Falls to compete against Seneca Niagara Gate, uh, Casino. Oh yeah, they could build it, or they could give a contract to somebody build it, but whoever operates a gaming enterprise with a New York State license has to pay New York State. If they've got to compete against the Seneca Nation, who doesn't, who no longer says no, we're not paying the state anything. We're not paying any revenue sharing. You know, and by all means, take your best shot. You compete against us with paying your thirty, forty, forty percent to the state. Because I'll tell you, Delago Casino out there on the throughway, just outside of the exclusivity zone, in the same gaming market as the Seneca Nation, they can't clear enough profit to pay. Um, you know, to, to pay their debt service. They can only pay interest. They cannot, I mean, look, they're, they want to sell out to the Senate. They want the Seneca Nation to buy DeLago. <laughs> I mean, Finger Lakes uh, um, Raceway have tried to make overtures for the Seneca Nation to buy them. I think it's a huge mistake for the Seneca Nation to even consider buying any of the white elephants that uh, were were created, whether it was through... You know, this class two gaming at the raceways or uh through the new licensing agreement so why would the seneca nation want to have a casino that pays the state i mean it just doesn't make it, it doesn't make sense, especially when it's not profitable now i mean it doesn't make any sense so the the exclusivity that the seneca nation has doesn't have to be given to them from the from the you know from the state of new york they already have it and and again let me let me be clear if the Senecas don't pay anything to the state, how can a gaming enterprise come into their neighborhood, <laughs> into, their, close, into their market, and pay the state, which is a pretty absorbent fee, and still compete against the Seneca Asians? In fact, if, if you think I'm only speculating, that's exactly what DeLago is saying. They're saying that they can't compete against Seneca Gaming. They know they're in the same market. The reason they can't pay their debt service is because they can't be profitable. They can't compete against the Seneca Nation if they're paying New York State and Seneca Nation isn't. (laughs) They can't compete against Seneca Nation anyway because Seneca Nation hasn't exactly taken that half a billion dollars and dumped it back into marketing and promotions to to drive a nail into the DeLago coffin. DeLago has their own nails. The Seneca Nation does not need an exclusivity. They're... Their right not to pay the state is an exclusivity in of itself. Now, let me get back to the other issue, which is whether the state can uh, extort payments out of the Seneca Nation. And don't look—any ass- assumptions that the Seneca Nation is making that if they if they don't pay the state, the state won't renew a compact—that's not an assumption they're making all by themselves. These are threats that the state has been making. But here's the thing, if the state walks away, they don't get they can't just deny a compact and shut down a native gaming operation. That's not the rights that they've been given in uh in the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act. And bottom line is the Seneca Nation can't be gutless here. You guys gotta step up. And and as far as the Seneca people. Today's you know, we're doing the show on on Saturday. The special counsel's being called on Monday. Don't pray for your counselors. Don't pray for them to be enlightened with wisdom. Call them up and give them hell. <laughs> give them holy hell if that makes you feel better. But don't look. Can we cut with the bullshit? It is time that the Seneca people st- stood up and said, "Hell no, you're not paying the state. You're going to cut our annuities, and then t- give a half a billion dollars to Andrew Cuomo." And again, I let's let's put some reality to that. I, I talked about the billion dollars a week the state burns up on uh, on Medicare and Medicaid. This half a billion dollars, twenty five percent of it, will go back to the local municipalities, and you know what? They're in so much trouble right now. This COVID nineteen thing. If you think that the economy was shut down in March, you're just not freaking paying attention. Yeah, I know you couldn't buy toilet paper, but what you're about to experience over the next several months, starting th- starting next month, that six hundred dollars extra that you know that people who were collecting unemployment were getting is going away this month. You're going to start seeing evictions you're going to start seeing states scrambling because they didn't get, they didn't accumulate the, uh, the revenue they expected this year. So every state budget, every municipal budget, every city, town, county, they're all broke. And this flash in the pan that this half a billion dollars that the state has been trying to squeeze out of the Seneca Nation isn't going to fix any of that. That half a billion dollars is a lot more money to the Seneca Nation than it is to Andrew Cuomo or you know the Niagara Falls, Buffalo or or Salamanca. And Salamanca's probably got less to worry about. Salamanca is Seneca territory. City of Buffalo, City of Niagara Falls, eh not so much. But none of those, the leadership from those any of these municipalities have wanted to sit down with the Seneca Nation and and work some sort of, you know, I don't know service agreement or or some means for the santa nation to want to help western new york 75 percent of that uh, that half a billion dollars is never coming back to us it's money that goes and never comes back and the little bit that does come back because of the sagging economy in western new york it has been you know it, it has been going into into black holes especially in niagara falls so, any relief that the powers that be in Buffalo, Niagara Falls, Alameda, or Albany think that this money's going to solve, it doesn't solve any of it. Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll just evaporate that money. So, that's money the Seneca Nation is going to throw away and throw away money that won't come back. And no, the state cannot extort you for this. And if you're buying into their threats, if you're buying into this idea that they won't what now they won't renegotiate a compact in in, in 2023 or they're going to claim this one null and void over a revenue sharing agreement, and, and let me say this again: there is nothing in IGRA that requires a revenue sharing agreement. That is an an addition that is clearly stipulated by the Interior Department. That has if if the, one of those things there is included in a gaming compact, it has to meet a standard. The problem is, the Interior Department has been derelict in responsibility all the way back to the Obama administration. They have refused to do their jobs. So, when the powers that be from, uh, you know, the lobbyists and consultants and advisors that the Seneca Nation has, uh, they have in in, uh, D.C., came back to the Seneca Nation after, uh, Things started shutting down with COVID nineteen, and they said, "What do you want to ask of the federal government? Well, how about do your freaking job? How about having the interior department do their goddamn job? That's what. The, that's what. The, look, all this, the, these, these stimulus payments. Look, I, a couple of million dollars may have, may have come to the Senate Commission, but they got a half a billion dollars sitting in an account that they're afraid to touch." They didn't need stimulus money from the federal government. They've got a pile of money sitting there that is rightfully theirs that the state is trying to squeeze out of them. They didn't need help from the federal government. They needed the federal government to do their freaking job and hold the state accountable for violating IGRA with this bullshit revenue sharing agreement. That's that's the deal. So, look, I got to tell you, on, on one level, it's a relief not to be talking about the Washington football team again today. On another, or uh, statues toppling. But uh, and and you know I've talked plenty about COVID nineteen and 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 the dangers and the pitfalls and the impacts that it, that's had on us. But there, what what's happened with Seneca Gaming and and again I gotta say it, say it as I've said it before. The main source of public finance. For the Seneca Nation is the gaming operation. And they have not operated with any profitability since March. And you know what? They've been losing market share all along, even before that. Seneca Nation gaming isn't as profitable as it once was. Why? Well, the state competes against them, the state has class three casinos. The state has slot parlors at racetracks and and nearby states. You know, Canada has gaming. Ohio has gaming. Pennsylvania has gaming. This is not an exclusive market in any way, shape, or form. And there's nothing the state could ever offer that was going to protect Seneca Nation gaming, especially since they weren't interested in, in protecting Seneca Nation gaming. There is a reason there was a sunset clause that this thing would only go for 14 years. The state knew that they were going to be in the the gaming, they were going to be in this business. They knew they weren't going to continue to collect money from the Seneca Nation past 14 years. They had a game plan all along. We'll let the native people massage the electorate so we can pass a constitutional amendment so we can get in gaming. That was the state's plan all along. I mean, when Andrew Cuomo was pushing for this uh, state referendum, he said, oh, we're already in gaming we got the indians oh yeah and not only do we got the indians we got slot parlors in their backyards uh, 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 so we're already you know at all the race tracks so it's a done deal we've we're we've all accepted gaming they used the senecas they used the Monks. they used the onidas and they and not only do they want to use them for establishing a market that the, that the state didn't have but they want to—they want to extort money out of them at the same time. It is exactly the organized crime that Igra was supposed to prevent, and you know what? It still could. It's just that the powers that be in Washington, the Interior Department, refuse to do their goddamn job. So, come Monday when the Senate Commission holds a special council And look, I I know there's probably people sitting on council, you know, that that are probably not happy that I'm talking about this stuff. But I'll tell you, you Senecas, and and I'm not saying that I got you know, four thousand Senecas listening to my show. (laughs) I realize that I don't, and I realize sometimes some of the people closest to me get frustrated that I seem to know more about the topic than they do. And and part of it is, I'm an advocate you know i'm a i'm an activist this is what i fight for so whether it doesn't i mean my message to seneca people is call your counselors tell them not to sign this tell them not to approve paying this to the state let let the seneca nation tell the state our people won't approve sending you this check we don't want to send it to you anyway we understand the arbitration thing but we also know that until the Interior Department does weigh in on this thing, there's no reason for us to pay you. So, whether the Interior Department is dragged in to a federal proceeding that you launch against us for payment, or whether we finally get an Interior Department that's responsive enough through the next administration to do their goddamn job, that's when we'll talk about what happens from here. And you know what? If you're afraid, that the, the state will walk away from its compact, then this may be as good a time as any for the state to walk away from a compact. Seneca people and Seneca leadership, elected leaders, you've got to decide where your guts are. That's my show for today. All right. We'll we'll be back here on Tuesday. I know there's a lot going on. I would have liked to have talked about what's happening in Portland and some of this with this, these, this, this, these uh, federal police agencies that are um, targeting protesters using under the color of border protection and homeland security. Um, and we'll get to that perhaps on Tuesday. I want to thank you guys for listening. If you're Seneca, please make the call. Don't make a prayer. Give them hell. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. Yowee. Yeah we